Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. I want to, um, what would you consider to be the biggest room in this world? Not the biggest building, but the largest room in the world. Wait up. White House? No, that's not the biggest room. Close? I'm not even, actually, it's not even close. It's bigger than that. The what, sorry? Yeah, well, it, yeah, we're kind of getting there. I wouldn't expect you. I didn't know, so I had to look it up. Uh, the answer is the Boeing factory in Everett, Washington. If you look at this slide, coming up, next slide. Oh, actually, I, I have the, the, boy, I'm really not on the ball today. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Hold on. That's at the Boeing factory in Everett, Washington. And you can see inside there, they have, you know, assembly line of, of planes, uh, working, uh, together. And that's supposed, that's 4.3 million square foot room. Just an open room. That's uh, supposed to be the largest building in the room, in the world. Uh, the biggest built room I think I've ever personally been in was the Sky Dome, which is called Rogers Center now, where the Jays play baseball. Have you been there? Any of you there in 1999 when Billy Graham gave the... I always ask people, that, were you there? Because I was there too. So it's just kind of neat to know we were together in one room before we even met. But I went to a ball game. Somebody in my church gave me tickets, which I was very blessed to receive. And I had this ticket. And I'm walking up to the very last, highest section in Sky Dome with this ticket. And I'm walking, I'm walking up higher and higher. So I came to the, very, the second last row on the highest part. Of the Sky Dome. I just got to, you know, you can see where the arrow, that's where I was. <laughs> and I kid you, I walked up with that ticket and, and to the second last row in the highest part, but there's a guy sitting behind me in the last row, and I said, I'm glad I'm not sitting where you're sitting. <laughs> However, the biggest room, the largest room any of us have ever been in is this one. And where's Pastor Ray? Where's Ray? Ray, I'm amazed that you picked this out because that's what I'm speaking on today. It's like there's a God. Uh, and you, your book, is that indescribable by Louis Gigolo? So I'm basing on his message today and you're going to see some clips from him. So isn't that God? We didn't talk before this, did we? And yet God is saying, I want this message today. I want this message today. I love how that works together. This is our universe. When I lived out in the countryside in Blue Mountain, and the summer night, I would lay on the grass and look up into this. I love it. And it just amazes me. It blows how, in my mind how big this room that you and I live in together. And sometimes, you know, we're tempted to look at these stars in this universe and just dismiss them as a backdrop, like a, a painting on our living room wall. We kind of look at it once in a while, but we don't think much about it or ponder it. But have you ever thought the reality how big this place is that we live in together. The universe is so big, we don't know where it begins, we don't know where it ends, it's beyond our comprehension, we don't have the, the capacity to grasp the enormity and the complexity of this universe. We try, we try, but it just boggles our mind. And I'm basing this message on Louis Gigolo on Indescribable Today. And uh, he talks about when you travel great distances, you and I, we usually measure those distances in kilometers or miles if we're old school. But when you come to space, when you come to this room called the universe, we need a bigger ruler. We need a ruler called, we use a measurement called a light year. And a light year is how far light will travel. 
in one year. <coughs> a light year travels 300,000 kilometers per second. That's fast. And at, at this speed, a beam of light would circle the earth at the equator seven and a half times every second. You just go like that. Light went around this earth seven and a half times in that split moment. And there are over 31 million seconds in a year. Think about that. So if there are over 31 million seconds in a year, and each one of these 31 million seconds, we travel 300,000 kilometers, which is the speed of light. That's how far we'd go. It's very far. And if my calculation is correct, I think this is how far we would go. That's 9.3 trillion kilometers. That's a big number. We don't even know how big it is. But I can explain it this way. If you were to count every second of the number, 1, 2, 3, 4, 24 hours a day, 400,800, 18,000, 400,000, whatever, you know, just every day, to reach 9.0 trillion would take 295,000 years. That's big. So a light year, this 9.3 trillion kilometers a year, is how we measure distance in our universe. And in our universe, you and I live in this neighborhood called the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is just one galaxy, one neighborhood in this big room called the universe. And this, so I just want to start talking about this. This is just one of billions. And, and just our neighborhood where we live, scientists tell us there are billions of stars, just like our own sun, where there's planets revolving. And there are billions of suns with planets around them, just in our Milky Way, where you and I live. So when we look up in the night sky, we see this Milky Way. We know that we, that we are, our little spot in that, our little sun is just one of billions. And you can't, you know, you can't get, we can't get the full picture of the Milky Way. We've never been outside of it. But this is what NASA, NASA believes it looks like um, for us. So how big is our neighborhood? Get out our ruler, our light year. The distance from one side of our galaxy, just our neighborhood in this big universe, to the other side is about 100,000 years. To travel across our galaxy, not our universe, just our local galaxy, our local subdivision, you'd have to travel 300,000 kilometers per second for 100,000 years, and then you would get to the other side of our neighborhood. And and then our solar system, our solar system is just one little speck in that uh, neighborhood, our planets revolving around the sun, and our solar system is just one of 200 billion solar systems And we have discovered about 100 billion of these galaxies so far in in the world. Now, you may wonder where our home is. In that picture, it's actually marked, but you won't be able to see it. So let me just zoom in a little bit here. Uh, We're right, oh, okay, we're right about there. That picture did come out. But there's just a little speck right about there that shows our, uh, you can't see it there, our, our, our home. And to try to begin to think how big our universe is, there's two things that come to mind today. Number one, how small we are. How small you and I are. 
Scientists tell us comparing our solar system to the rest of the Milky Way would be like this, and Ray referred to this, as like playing a quarter on the North American continent. And Earth is just a dot on that quarter on the North American continent. And you're not even a smaller dot on the dot on the quarter in the North American <laughs> continent. And, and I mentioned that this message is based on Louis Gigolos. I want him to share some of today because he does a better job than I do. And if you look at your screens, I'm hoping that this will, video will show. We're going to update our video equipment, I think, in the new year, hopefully. But uh, hopefully this will play. And we're going to show uh, a video of him just starting to tell us about how small we are in this great big room called the universe. So it's called Christmas Eve video, and we'll show that to you. 1977, we launched a spacecraft called Voyager on a one-way mission to take images of the planets and our own solar system. And 13 years later, Valentine's Day 1990, scientists from the JPL sent a message to Voyager and said, before you go any further, turn around and take one last panoramic snapshot of all the planets you visited. By now, Voyager is 3.7 billion miles away from the Earth. It's traveling 40,000 miles an hour away from the sun. And it turns around and takes a series of photographs. Obviously, you can't get one wide-angle shot of Uranus and Neptune and Saturn and the planets that it's visited. So it takes a succession of 60 images. And it starts to send the images back to Earth. Each image, 640,000 pixels in every one of the 60 images. You say, what's a pixel? It's that little tiny dot that makes up a photograph. And 3.7 billion miles away, the pixels are taking five and a half hours each to make it back to the earth. 60 images, 640,000 pixels in each image, five and a half hours for each pixel to make it back to the earth. And you think you have dial-up problems at the house, okay? That is a massive dial-up problem. And it takes months for the image to come back. And when it does, it absolutely stuns astronomy. Very famous picture, floored me the first time I saw it. The image that came to us, once it was put in a composite form from 3.7 billion miles away, famous image called the pale blue dot. You're like, excuse me, did, did I miss something? We waited several months to get that back. I, those are the ones I throw away at the Walmart. You know, you go through at the back and you're like, oh no, I had my thumb over the lens on that one. No good, no good. Can I get my money back on these? No. You say, well, what are the green and the pink bands in the image? They're, they're rays of sunlight reflecting off Voyager because sun, even though nearly 4 billion miles away, was in view. And it just so happened that suspended in one of the beams of sunlight was a tiny little speck. Do you see it? Yeah. For you guys in the cheap seats, I'll blow it up just a tad for you. It's, it's, it's there. If you're still not with me, it's right there. I don't want anyone to miss it. And we can just go back to the, the big shot for a second. It's a picture of Earth from 3.7 billion miles away. And it just so happened to be caught in a ray of light. And one famous astronomer of the day said of it, just remarking that everyone who's ever lived their lives lived them out on that tiny 
pale blue dot that he called a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. I don't know about you, when I first saw it, a shrinking feeling came over me. And I knew in that moment that my life was a tiny little blip on the radar of history, a vapor, infinitesimal little life. You say, well, Louie, you're, you're making me feel small. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to help you see that you are small. significant insignificance because as tiny as we are we are known and prized by majesty who sent for us and loves us and knows us even though we are teeny tiny little bitty people on a little bitty speck floating through the vast cosmos that he has made just like he could name every star as he called them into being and put them in their places he could start in this building tonight all the way up in the top with you right there and he could call you by your name and he could move to you and call you by your name and you by your name and the great creator of all the heavens and the earth could move through this auditorium and call every single person in this building by name tonight. He knows us and is aware of us and loves us and has come to invite us into a relationship with him that will never, ever end. It's amazing when you think about it, when you think about how big he is, that we know his name. Not good. When I try to begin to think how big this universe is, two things come to mind. One, how small we are. But then secondly, how big our God is. The God behind all of this. When we think how magnificent our universe is, We want to go, well, how big and magnificent is the God who creates it and sustains it and holds it in order each day? Uh, Listen to a question asked, uh, 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 God asked in the Bible. He says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? And then our answer comes. He brings them, the stars, out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. And you and I cry out in the Bible, it says, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, it says in Psalms, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals, you and I? That you should think about them. Human beings that you should care for them. Say God considering all how big this room is. And all the majesty and all the room and the things and, and of your creation. And yet in all of that you care about me? And God looks at us and says yes I do. In fact in the Bible it says. We are God's masterpiece. That's how he sees you. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, Lord, and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I want you to feel and know 
that you are valued by God. You are the masterpiece. You are the, 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 the pinnacle of his creation. I mentioned, uh, based this message on Louis Gigolo, and I just want to show one more clip uh, just to kind of realize just how important you and I are in this universe and how big our God is. Watch this clip. And it's just one of the billions of stars in our subdivision called the Milky Way, which is one subdivision among hundreds of billions of subdivisions in the known universe that God has made. He's big. Go out a little ways. Let's use that ruler we talked about, okay? The light year. You remember? 5.88 trillion miles. Let's use that and go out. We're just 93 million miles here. That's nothing. Let's take some strides. 440 light years out. We come to this beautiful constellation called Pleiades. I just put this one in because it's so beautiful. And because it's mentioned many times in Scripture... In the Old Testament books, the prophets, and in Job, Job's having that conversation with God, and God's trying to remind him that he's the one that's big, and Job is the one that's small. And he says to Job, Job, can you hold the Pleiades in your hand? To which Job looks up and says, no. And God's like, well, there. One place in the scripture, it says that God measures the universe in the span of his hand whole universe (laughs) he's like yeah it's about right there let's go out a little further there's so many amazing things we're gonna go thousand light years out to the vela pulsar check this out this is absolutely stunning isn't that cool well it's probably more than cool it's um hot but it's interesting and amazing you say what's a pulsar um i don't know um a degree in astronomy, okay? Um, a star explodes into a supernova, can collapse back on itself into a magnetic intensity. Uh, this is a highly magnetized neutron star. It's oscillating 11 times a second, the center of it. And it's huge, by the way. I love it because it looks like double bow and arrow shooting an arrow out, but it's sending out this intense signal out. And not only is it beautiful to look at, thousand light years away from us, but we aimed a radio telescope at the Vela Pulsar. That's what we're using to see if there are other people out there trying to talk to us. And uh, we aimed it at the Vela Pulsar. And this is what we got back from the Vela Pulsar. This is what that thing sounds like right there. It just does that all day and all night. I don't know Morse code, but it could be tapping out. No, he's big. He's really, really big. He's a whole lot bigger than you think he is. He's really, really big, this God we worship. He's really, really, really big and a whole lot bigger than you think he is. Didn't want to miss out. All creation was glorifying God. And the Bella Pulsar said, all right, here we go. Let's jump 8,000 light years out. This is the Hourglass Nebula. Yeah, that's. I think God just put that one up there for fun. It's a dying star emitting tons of gases that are cooling and creating this beautiful thing. The star that's dying is not the one you see to the left, but the one right in the center of the eyeball. I don't know about you, when I was growing up, the ultimate trump in my house was my mom saying, well, you better watch out and be careful because God is watching you. Well, it turns out she was right after all. God sees everything and knows everything. He can't see you with the hourglass nebula. He may see you with um, the helix nebula. 
or with a stardust ring. There's a lot of options for him to see us. Check it out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, let's take a massive leap. We're 8,000 light years out now. We're going to go 28 million light years. Can do the math on the way home. 28 million times 5.88 trillion. You're like, are you kidding me? No. You come to the Sombrero Galaxy, just one of the beauties of our universe. You say, oh, that's nice. It looks like a little Frisbee. No, 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 no. It's 50,000 light years wide. It's trillions of miles thick. It just happens to be sitting in space in such a way that we're just above the elliptic plane, almost looking dead on the edge of it, but just six degrees above it. And just up there in all of its splendor, most of you have never seen it before. You say, what's it doing up there? Just glorifying God, just showing off the greatness and the majesty of God, just hanging out in the universe that he made, reflecting back to him his glory tonight and how amazing he is. Since we're in Houston, I wanted just to say just a word of thanks. Um, This image and many of the ones we're seeing tonight have come to us from the Hubble Space Telescope, which I'm sure you've heard of. You're paying for it, by the way. I hope you've heard of it. Um, It's an amazing thing. Here's a shot of it in case you didn't know what you were paying for. You're like, that's it? That's what we get? Yeah, it's fascinating, this thing. This particular photograph was taken in 1997, just after Service Mission 2. The Hubble hangs out uh, 353 miles above the Earth. And so it's got a great jump on us getting out outside of our atmosphere and gives us stunning images like uh, we've never seen before. We're going to go out. We're 28 million light years out at the Sombrero Galaxy. We're going to go past it to the darling of astronomy, the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's 31 million light years away. And you can see why it's the darling of astronomy. It sits in space completely face on to the Earth. It's called a grand design galaxy, to which I say right on to that. Um, It's made up of hundreds of billions of stars. Some scientists say 300 to 500 billion stars. But I want to take you way out. You guys seem like a group that's ready to go way out. I want to take you so far out, I can't even tell you what we're about to see. I can't even set it up. I can't describe it. There are no words. We are going far, 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 far out. Yes, it is. I'll just let you see it. made everything we've seen tonight. The scripture says that through Jesus, God made the world. In another place, Paul wrote, he created all things, things in heaven and things on the earth. And you say, well, what's the left turn? We're seeing all these amazing things out in the universe and now the cross yes the cross the creator of it all coming to that pale blue dot the maker of the whole wide universe hanging on a cross that he himself created 
my attention. I thought, okay. I click on that link, and a photograph comes up. An image comes up on my computer screen. Almost knocks me off of my seat. I cannot believe it. I'm just staring at it with my mouth open. It's 31 million light years away. The Hubble Space Telescope, seeing what we cannot see, has looked into the dark black hole core of the Whirlpool Galaxy and sent us back a photograph. Here's what NASA sent us back from 31 million light years away, deep in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. We get this image coming back to us. in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. I'm not here to scientifically tell you it's a cross. You can make of it what you want to tonight. I'm just saying it reminds me of the Revelation writer who said, it's Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It's Jesus everywhere. It's grace everywhere you turn. It's mercy when you least expect to find it. It's God laughing in heaven when we finally got the Hubble aimed at the right place. And he goes, check this out. It's me. It's grace. It's mercy. It's kindness. It's forgiveness. Everywhere you look, it's God saying, I love you. I try to comprehend how big this room is, where it begins, where it ends, and I can't do it. The numbers are just too large for me. But from what I begin to understand, the universe is so massive and vast and complex. If anyone thinks it's an accident, that all these galaxies in life just happen from nothing, are kept in order by no one, it's all just a fluke, then their faith is larger than mine because they're trusting in an idea that makes no sense whatsoever. And that's just one, this is just one of the reasons why I believe Creator God. Another reason is I changed this message midweek. I don't know, Ray, when you decide to read that, but obviously God says, I want you to get this message this week. I want you to know this. I'm big. You're small, but you are my masterpiece. There's one more big reality I want to share with you before we break for Christmas here at the gate. And this one's even larger. Larger than our solar system, larger than our galaxy, galaxy, larger than our universe. And I'm talking about the immensity of our eternity. How big forever is. What happens on this earth isn't all there is to life. You'll spend 60, 80, maybe 100 years on earth. You'll spend trillions of years in eternity. And if you place your faith in Christ, you'll spend those trillions of years with God in heaven forever. That's one of the most important reasons you and I as Christians have to be joyful this time of year. We were created because God wants a family. He wants to spend eternity with his family. He wants to spend eternity with you and I. And that truth brings us great joy. But this eternity isn't just automatic. 
You must choose it, you must receive it, and you must follow it. Amen. God sent his son Jesus to us as one of us at Christmas because we were in serious trouble. Our eternity, our life now and forever is in jeopardy because of, 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 of sin in our life. And I've had sin in my life. We all have, the Bible says, and it separates us from God. And that separates us from eternity. And we can't save ourselves. What are we going to do? We're in need of being rescued. That we will not spend our eternity without God in a place the Bible calls hell, but with him in a place called heaven. So Pastor Ray read for us today a solution. Can't save myself, so what did God do? For God so loved the world, you and I, that he gave his one and only begotten son, who's part of all this creation, the Bible says, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Christmas is about a savior who saves, is born unto us. And the only way you and I can change the direction of our life is to choose to accept the forgiveness offered us through the one who came and took our penalty in our place. His name is Jesus Christ. But regarding this forgiveness offered to you, you must choose it, you must receive it, and you must follow it. Some hunters were wanting to go one more hunting trip in late fall. So they got together. I think it was the six of them. They went to the edge of a, a, this lake at a parking lot. And uh, they realized a big storm was coming in that night, a blizzard. This is our last hurrah. So they set out hunting around this big lake. And by the time dusk was coming, it was getting dark. They're on the other side of the lake and realized they would not get back to their car in time. And it was starting to snow. And they would not survive the night and the, as the temperature dropped and the blizzard came first time one of the year they stood at the edge of the lake and and they came across a a little boat that would hold them and take them across that lake to the other side to where their car was and all of them looked at the boat and all of them agreed yes this boat could carry us safely across this lake we get back to our car in time we would never have time to go around the big lake we must go right directly through it this boat will take us there so they all examined the boat they looked at the boat and said yes we agree this boat is the answer but when they put that boat in the lake and the, the, you know, the water's a bit choppy. Some of them backed out. Some of them said, I think we'll try this on our own. We'll try to get around the lake. I'm a little skeptical. I'm not sure. I see the boat. I know it's there. I believe it can take us across, but I'm not going to put my life into it. And so only two got in that boat. And the other four tried to make it on their own. The two in the boat got safely across. The four who tried to save themselves perished. You must choose it. You must choose Jesus. Receive him. And follow him. Not just saying I know you're there. Not just I believe you exist. But to say you are my savior. What you did on the cross you did for me. I receive that. Accept that. And then I start following it. All the days of my life. If you could save yourself, Jesus would not have had to come and save you and me. But the truth is you can't and you won't save yourself. Church doesn't save you. Pastors don't save you. Your good works don't save you. The Bible is quite clear about that. In case we're not sure, 
It says this. It says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under the heaven by which you must be saved. That name is Jesus. You must choose Jesus, receive Jesus, and follow him. That's God's plan. That's God's boat. This is the way, the truth, and the life. I was away this week because uh, we were burying Glenda's grandfather uh, in Toronto. He was 101 and a half. (laughs) And at the graveside, I was mentioning how much I appreciate the heritage, Christian heritage we have. Uh, Stan, her grandfather, was born to missionary parents in China, passed on the heritage to Barb, Glenda's mom, onto Glenda, onto our kids. And, and much as I appreciate that opportunity, I had, we, all of them, every one of us had to choose it, receive it, and follow it. I'm just grateful for the opportunity that my family said, there's a boat, there's a rescuer, there's a savior that you must choose, receive, and follow in your life. Have you done that? Are you doing that? I'm going to show one more video, shorter. It's Francis Chan explaining eternity. Explaining in perspective how big this life is, these 101 and a half years, if we get that much, compared to the rest of life. So watch this video as we close this, this day. Um, imagine this rope okay pretend this rope just goes on forever okay just imagination pretend it goes around the world a few times it doesn't it ends at the rock but uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence you just exist forever you see this red part This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth. And then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know what? I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about th- what about all this stuff? It's just it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, 
man. I, I, I'm serious. I, I look. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now. Just to enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow. And you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying down here. It's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining. Because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out. And I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges. And he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me. Because I'm going to pass that line well. So we live on a broken planet. Heaven is where everything is done God's way. Not everything is done here God's way. But life on earth isn't, just doesn't work out that way. We need to spend our time here, however, preparing for what's to come after. Amen. I just want us to close in prayer this morning. I want, to, I want to pray to God. That means we're going to talk to him, but we're going to listen to him as well. About your life. About who you are. About that red time that all of us have that in common. We have this in common. We live in a big room. Where big God is in charge, and we have that, we're living in that tiny, minute, physical part of life right now. I want us to pray to that God and listen to Him. So, Lord, I thank you for your Bible, the Word. I thank you for your church. I thank you for people who remind us about the truth. Because honestly, we can get so distracted and so busy, and during that red part of our life, that we forget really what is important. And that is having you in our life today and tomorrow and forever. And Lord, that little speck we saw in the ray of light called earth, you sent your son because you love us. And Christ went to the cross, the one without sin, and became sin for us. And paid the price that we would have paid so that we might have victory. And in your Bible you say the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. When we choose, receive, follow Christ. And that we too will rise victorious over death to live with you forever. I thank you God that you live with us now. But Lord as we live now let us prepare for what lies ahead. So Lord, if any of us here today need to confess that we cannot save ourselves, we've been trying to save ourselves, we've been trying to be good enough, go to church enough, to, that, that, that we're relying on what we have done and have not included Christ in that equation, would you hear our prayer asking you to forgive us? Would you hear us say, I have disobeyed you? The Bible calls it sin. Would you forgive me of my sin? 
And would you hear us now say, not that we just choose that, but we receive Christ into our life. Life will not be easy because Jesus is in our life. We will sometimes uh, have to ask for forgiveness and, and sometimes it'll be stormy. But Lord, you are in our life now and we're saved through you. Will you hear us asking you to come and be the Lord of our life? And we declare, God, that we want to follow you. Not just as an idea, not just a God who exists. The Bible says even the demons believe that and they shudder. But no, Lord, we want a relationship with you daily. Preparing to meet you that day. Thank you for your church. Thank you for Christian friends and sisters and brothers to help us. Lord, we go into this Christmas knowing you sent a Savior. Because we needed to be saved and rescued from ourselves and from the direction our life is heading. Thank you, God, that that can change. Thank you, the Lord, there are, probably, there are probably people here today who said, I want to be part of that change. I want to be part of what God is calling me to live and created me to be. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.